0: It's Becky and Bryony. Hiya. Um, welcome to the OT, uh, LDOT podcast. This episode, we're going to kick off with news, then our favourites, then into our interview with our uh, guest, Kira. Kira is a band six OT working in Dorset in an intensive support team for people with learning disabilities.
1: OK, shall I start with some news?
0: Yeah, go for it.
1: OK, the specialist section have got a couple of forums that were recently started from our conference, which wasn't long ago. So now we've got a complex behaviour forum and a PMLD forum. And the groups met recently, um, which was really great. And I'm part of the complex uh, behaviour forum. Huh. So I went to that on the 26th of January um it's actually a little while ago now but it was really good uh yeah it was really good to get everyone together um to network really which is the aim of that session and it was just nice to meet OTs from a similar background which is yeah so it's really it's really interesting and um I was in a group with Melanie and Alison who have been on the podcast before so that was really nice um Aww. Yeah, it was lovely actually, um, and we got to talk about you know what it's like working in inpatient unit, what it's like working in an IS, IST or ISS, and yeah, it was just nice to talk it through really, and and see that we have the same kind of nice things about the job, and say similar more challenging things about the job. Um, it's nice a nice support network. So the forums are quite new. But really a really good way to meet OTs in a similar field to you and with similar interest to you. And they're open to all members of the specialist section. And you can still join them if you're interested. And if you'd like to join um, one of the forums, you can email C O T S P L D at RCOT.co.uk. So yeah, that's my news. Um,
0: my news is um, obviously we had our conference which um, went down really well. And we're actually starting to think about our next conference. Um, And we have put out on the members' Facebook page, if anyone has any ideas and suggestions for themes. There's been some lovely ideas come through around um, occupational deprivation and things. Um, And some other bits and bobs around leader and things like that so mm. if you guys have any ideas please um contact us on the members facebook page should shall we get we... into favorites yeah
1: shall i start yeah. or do you want to do you want to go do you want to i don't mind do you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay <laughs> yeah, well, yeah it's <laughs> fine um so my favorite this month is art house unlimited which i only discovered really um around christmas time thanks to karen who i think discovered it from kira i think this yes. who's on the podcast this episode um because obviously kira um works down in the west country but and this and Art house unlimited is actually based in Godalming, and we hadn't heard we about it before know. which is a bit of a shame um but it's yeah a really amazing um enterprise um so it's a collective of artists um who are living with complex epilepsy and learning disabilities um, and who have difficulties um, which require varying levels of support. But the artists work alongside instructors to create artworks which developed into designer products for sale. So they sell candles and chocolate tote bags. they've got prints of their artwork. Um, They're gorgeous, aren't they really well yeah, designed stuff. Just- beautiful really really lovely and they do these really lovely present packs they do like a well-being one and that kind of thing so really lovely gifts of people and I got a couple of things at Christmas actually but yeah I I really love it I think it's a brilliant idea it's set up to empower the artists you know that work for them and yeah it's just a, a brilliant brilliant enterprise so I wanted to promote them a little bit on the podcast um, my favourite is also art
0: related um, It is it um, is we had an artist come speak to us at conference called Laura Broughton and she um, mainly does illustrations and if you'd like to follow Laura you can follow her on Instagram at Laura Dawn Artist um, and yeah there's just some brilliant little bits she's done on there and yeah. it's just worth having a look.
1: I love her artwork. Yeah it's really she's nice. Brilliant.
0: So, members, we'd like to welcome the lovely Kira. Hi, Kira, how are you?
2: Hello, I'm good, thank you. Just finished a late shift and settled on my sofa to talk to you. Oh, amazing.
0: So, as I said in the intro, um, Kira works in Dorset, and it's in in ISS, IST, is that correct?
2: Yeah, so in Dorset, we call it Intensive Support Team, IST. Mm -hmm. So, we quite often just get called IST. People know who we are, because there's only one um, Learning Disability Service covering the county so oh, wow um it's the uh, dorset's fairly rural although so we have our sort of urban areas and um the county split into community teams and one intensive support team so we all work quite closely together and interact quite a lot is it quite a large area you guys cover um do you mean in in my like team? geographically in your team yeah quite embarrassingly long. I couldn't tell you exactly how <laughs> big <hard>. it is <laughs> um, or what our population is but I guess our most urban area is sort of Bournemouth, Paul and Christchurch mm-hmm. um, which is I think it's now classed as a city region so it's, it's fairly mm-hmm. big um, but then we've got some um, some larger towns but it's lot of rural areas in between. So our as an intensive support team we work alongside our community team colleagues who some of whom are um in quite concentrated urban areas that they cover and some of which have vast sprawling um rural areas to cover. So mm. they have different challenges and that obviously feeds into us. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's quite a big area actually Dorset. I was just thinking it's quite quite big and when you're the in terms of support service and like mm. covering that whole I mean obviously you have less referrals don't you but you it's a lot of driving
2: yeah so we we were nominally split into an east and west team but we are just one team but we do have two bases and that sort oh, okay. of helps so we have one over in the west and one in the east I'm typically based in east but um pre-covid and actually in the earlier stages of covid when we were still working from the offices but sort of driving in between Mm. we would I would quite often go and work from the other office because I like to make sure we all feel like we're part of the same team and Mm. faces from either side Mm. that's nice yeah but for example if like tonight there was two of us covering Mm -hmm. and we were both in the east so if there was something happening in the very far west it would probably take us an hour and 50 minutes to get there so wow yeah
0: that's far isn't it
2: yeah but that's very very rare that that would happen and see at the moment we we would typically be aware if there was someone who was struggling um and likely to need a visit um prior to no, middle of the evening (laughs) Hopefully, there's yeah. <laughs> hope yeah. it coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, or be able to support by by phone. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah we do mm. a lot of that as well, actually.
2: Yeah. How More long have you said. worked there, Kira? Have you? How long have you worked for the IST? So I actually qualified in 2018 in summer. Um, my elective placement in the year before had been in what is now my current team. Oh wow! Um,
0: oh, lovely. So
2: Yeah I was really lucky. My first period of time with them was in 2017. Um, I suppose it's maybe an odd place to go for your first clinical role. Um, As an OT I started my training um, when I was 32 so I had got various relevant experience and I think Although some of my OT clinical skills aren't super specialist at this point, I have a manager who recognised that occupation and what a basic OT, I suppose, could offer had a real place in supporting people where there's some of the challenges that we come into contact with and that it isn't all about specialist work, although we do have that as well. Um, and I'd worked in learning disabilities when I first left school um, and then I'd worked in a supported housing project for homeless young people for 10 years. Um, Wow. So and that was a project that had um, 50 up to 50 young people living there and so you can imagine quite a lot of um, challenges and some of the sorts of dealing with things on your feet and being very calm in a crisis types of skills that were required in IST. So although my OT skills are still building, um, I think some of the skills that a practitioner in IST requires, I already had, thankfully. Um, So I was able to sort of slot right in when I was very, very lucky that a Band 5 post became available. Um, And it was actually a secondment initially and oh, I remember yeah. Mm-hmm. Doing my job. So I'm happily still there. <laughs> yeah. <intensity>. Good timing. <laughs> yeah. It
0: really oh, sounds like brilliant. you have like a lot of transferable skills.
2: Yeah. And I think that's really important. And I'm not saying that someone who didn't have that couldn't Hello. do it, but mm-hmm. it would just maybe some of those learning about what you can take on and just knowing it's okay to say mm, this needs handing over to emergency services now rather than thinking oh ah, i've got to deal with everything myself and um feeling those sorts of pressures or um being able to quickly weigh up what things need prioritizing when you've got five different phone calls and mm. crisis and whatnot mm.
1: um, so i I always find it's amazing when someone's in crisis how actually in terms of the OT side of the work that bread and butter mm. OT skill is what you really need for mm. someone in a crisis that's definitely yeah. building blocks isn't it getting the yeah. foundations in
2: yeah. and then the specialist
1: stuff comes later and can be useful but actually that's what people really need very quickly.
2: Mm. I entirely agree and I think something that I've really learned working alongside some of my Um, very experienced colleagues um, and particularly people who are experienced in working with um, behaviours that are challenging um, is about knowing the difference between what you can do in a crisis and about behaviour support plans because we often would have referrals for someone who is in crisis looking for all their their plan needs reviewing or they need they need a plan right now and it's that this is not the right moment that's a long-term piece of work and that's where our skills really come into play all that stuff around assessing and um looking at how good a fit their physical and social environment is um how good a fit their own skills are like quite often people being under or overestimated leads to difficulties and oh yes <laughs> so there's so much that I think yeah like you say I think a better word than basic which I said earlier is bread and butter OT um, can can do in this kind of role and um, yeah I'm very fortunate that I work with an amazing team who really embrace and um, working in that manner and having a really good MDT approach and um, so in our team we're a fairly small team I think I can't actually think off the top of my head how many of us <laughs> <laughs> um, we've we've lost a few and gained a few but we're we're in the low teens and um there is now um myself i'm i recently band six and we also have um my clinical supervisor ot who's band seven and she specializes in um talking therapies and is si trained and um, has all that really specialist stuff so i get really really good supervision around some of those skills that i'm not yet specialized in but might have to dip my toes into. um but we also have a band five ot who joined us uh, about a year ago um so we're a little little team of ot's within our ist now which is fantastic and it's really thanks to having um leadership which recognizes the value of that so i'm very lucky that's
1: so brilliant. Yeah. I'd love that. <laughs> I'd love that in our service, just to build mm. with Karen a nice little OT service with the ISS. Yeah. <laughs> the
2: three of us had a had a little meeting the other day, just a IST OT meeting and mm. and it was great. It was really, really, really oh. nice. And we were able to talk about some of the things, you know, bit of peer supervision across our bands, um, around our cases, but also to talk about the role we feel ot has in the team um, mm. so yeah it's been been really really good
0: there's something really lovely about having other ot's to bounce off and mm. if there's only a few of you even if it is just three of you i think when we've had people on the podcast who maybe they work solely on their own i think they miss that kind of thing which is interesting
2: yeah. to hear how much you value it i really value it and we're we're social creatures, aren't we? It's in our yes. psychology and we need each other. Um, there's a lot of talk, isn't there, about um, sort of independence. And I think this is really translatable to our clients as well, is when people's expectation and dr- drive is towards making someone less dependent. And yes, that comes into it, but actually are we not s- supposed to be interdependent and I've, I mean, I, I've stole that idea from someone. It's not mine. I, but I, it really resonated with me when I heard it that, um, you know, where we evolved to be interdependent, we're not supposed to be just on our own. So no. I think that's, that's important to recognize for our clients and for ourselves. Mm. Yes, definitely. Definitely. I think it's
1: definitely a role, especially at the moment of COVID maybe as yeah. well, but it's definitely a role. You could feel quite isolated, I think, if you're yeah.
2: on your own as an OT and Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. Something that COVID has brought to us as well is um across as I was explaining in Dorset, there's the community team So my community team OT colleagues were a fabulous bunch. Um hello any of you who are listening. Um we would typically previously have had every couple of months a ot meeting where we'd all attempt to be in one room together and yes we'd have a lovely bring and share meal and you know all that stuff that you think now with horror oh my goodness think of all the viruses (laughs) (laughs) Um, but actually um when you've got people spread out as far apart as we are there would always be a good percentage of people who just couldn't be there because mm. it would have been, meant a, a whole half a day and they might be working part-time as it is and, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult when you're a busy caseload to manage, prioritising. Whereas now we have a shared Teams chat between us. So quite often just a, something will pop up. It might be a question about an assessment tool or has anyone come across this or something like that and that's really supportive but also we can have our OT meetings online and and our attendance has been better than ever so it's yeah really really valuable and I suspect will remain
1: mm-hmm. I think it will
2: yeah have you guys us, found that I think. I was yeah. just
0: thinking that as you said it I was like I suddenly realised that I think all of the ITs have attended our last care group didn't
1: they <laughs> and yeah whereas before months. that wouldn't be the case because you might be you know on a visit miles away and you might not make it you make it back you know or people would be late they come to some of it and not all of it and, but yeah now it's pretty well attended all oh, meetings are that's all we do really these days <laughs> <See in laughs> meetings on teams isn't it <laughs> that's not all we do that. we do do lots of other things but <laughs> I just feel like I spend my life and back-to-back meetings with no break um you know this is you know the downside to teams meetings is that you know because you're not traveling to another meeting mm. miles away you can just have them back-to-back in your diary that's
2: <laughs> yeah that is true and something I've always valued and in, in community work I've had other community roles before and is that little drive in between places it just lets you process what you've been doing and Mm -hmm. take a moment and be ready for the next one without bringing stuff from the one before yeah we're definitely reeling
1: sometimes from the previous meeting and the next meeting but I think it's just something we've got to get our heads around haven't we and we've got to kind of allow ourselves that time we have a lot of discussions about how we all need to allow ourselves our time in between to have a little bit of a break maybe before going into the next thing but Mm. you know i think everyone's a lot more productive aren't they and you know we can get a lot more done in one day than maybe we could before which is good but actually there is something about us um Mm. as ots having a balance um, in our work life (laughs) yeah (laughs) if we need to get a little bit better at. um
0: I did this resilience training recently, and I came across this kind of this secret that seems to work really well. Now I'm going to share it with everyone on the podcast. But basically, you know how we're always told book in time in your diary to do this, that, and whatever, and then if you put in your diary, admin, someone always calls you, or you end up doing something else. So changing the wording to actions. So if you put actions in your diary. You can go and take a five-minute break if you need it, or you can go and actually complete the actions on your to-do list, but people don't quite know what it is, so they don't call you. <laughs> and it seems to work a treat. Like, wow calls me when I have it in there. Don't stop calling me, Riley. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now I'll be like, oh, Becky's just doing admin. <laughs> just doing admin. I know what she's got to.
2: Yeah. I suppose admin sounds very passive, doesn't it? Whereas mm. actions doesn't sound passive. It sounds doing. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Okay, definitely keep that in mind. Yeah, let me know.
1: Good (laughs) tip. (laughs) Brilliant. have you have you got a case study for us today, (laughs) Kira? Well,
2: I was just musing uh, before I left work, and as you can imagine, with sort of being at work immediately prior, I had access to looking at caseload and thinking about people. Um, and it was hard for me to think of one particular one, but I've, I think potentially (laughs) I, I've, um, I've sort of written down a couple of, um, just prompts for myself to sort of think about which one seems the best person to talk about, um, based on how it goes. And is it's different, I think, because Brian, you're in. IST as well aren't you and caseload wise we work a little bit differently it's not always as clear cut you know I'm not necessarily going to tell you a nice um, OT process story for any students who are listening and you know looking for (laughs) ideas about what your OT process how it might fit in and I suppose within our team referrals are rarely directed at me they're directed at the team and then yeah. we look at them together and work out who needs to do what um, however that's not always the case but I would say the cases that are directed at me are more likely to be intensive in the sense that they require more time than necessarily our community colleagues have available to them so mm. As a team, the, the typical IST role is sort of that short-term intensive input during crisis, but actually we also work on the basis that intensive can mean the person needs a lot of input to get where they need to be. So there's that long-term work as well. Um, and I suppose one case study that I was thinking about talking about is someone who um I first met as a student actually oh, and Wow! it's a real pleasure for me coming back to the team to be able to check in with those people that you know you meet as a student because quite often you you never find out do you? you never know what's happened with them um and they stick in your head as a student I think I've got a
0: couple of do. people that just really stick in my head and I do occasionally yeah. think
2: oh, I wonder what they're up to yeah they're getting yeah. on and this person um, I, I got to know quite well as a student and um, the IST role um, in her case has been that due to some of the difficulties she has um, various placement breakdowns right. and a sort of cycle of that happening. So someone who has typically lived semi-independently but with support going in Um, but one of her biggest challenges is being able to see things from different people's points of view and being quite fixed in that and I think it's important to say that I'm not going to talk about diagnosis because actually as OTs, we know that we don't need to be diagnosis-based. Um, and actually, I don't necessarily recognise the labels that have been given. Um, so it's about getting to know the person. and um, So the intensive aspect of working with her is, has been about building that relationship Um, to the point of being able to have uh, trusting and difficult conversations and to um, work opportunistically. So when she's ready, so if she has something that she brings to the table and says, I'm not happy about this, then that's an opportunity rather than just a complaint. And um, I think because I had that relationship that i'd started building back as a student that meant that um i was able to kind of slot back into that and um i did complete a mohost and you know in terms of a bit of process and looking at some of the difficulties and realizing that those relational difficulties there was on the one hand this massive desire to have good relationships be really close to people but on the other hand um difficulties in the skill areas of sort of judging what's appropriate in terms of amounts of contact to have with people, um, being taken advantage of online in a quite a serious way um, through not being able to recognise other people's intentions and um, struggling with people trying to support and care and falling out with them um, because weren't able to step into her world. Um, So I have done quite a lot of work in terms of relationship building and and the actual interventions have been um, very very slow to come really but actually have been successful I think because of taking a really good long time and going at her pace and not having any expectation other than I'm here, I'm getting to know you, I'm stepping into your world and then letting you tell me when you're ready to do something about some of this. Um, the result being that she requested that I do some work with her family to help them understand her. Um, and we put together, um, so with explicit permission, I spent time with family and talked to them. Um, and then we all met together and we put together a sort of easy read type um, plan about um, I was able to take her words and explain what it was she wanted for her relationship but also do a bit of that kind of gentle challenge about how what what part she had to play in it so it was very consenting Um, and at no point did I go behind her back with any of that and say oh but it really means this or that it was all very much With her and you know no sharing of anything without her being on board Um, and that was able to result in some really simple things like learning to just put the phone down rather than um, saying things that might be regretted and that was also possible um, to then translate to that with care staff Mm. Um, and there's been other things as well so we've worked on a um a sort of a scale it's um it uses her own words about how she feels at the different stages and is helping her to recognize so it's about that kind of emotional regulation stuff but really doing it from her point of view so I'm at no point using professional language and trying to Mm. own it as ours it's hers and actually that's now progressed to the fact that she um has got herself a computer and has been producing her own documents to share with people about Um, herself to amazing yeah, which has also provided a level of occupation and um she kindly offered me um if i would like her to do any work for to help with things as well so she's really feeling a sense of um purpose with it and you know I think that's very OT isn't it and um, what's been really important is my relationship working alongside the care providers and um, helping that relationship as well and helping them understand her and put things into place and just be a sounding board and I think that's something that is an IST because of our working hours and our flexibility I've been able to do and I, I say I my whole team have we've done most of the recent direct work um one of my colleagues had previously done talking therapy and we were just saying recently how we feel that actually the work I've done is almost like practically practically putting into practice (laughs) that's a terrible (laughs) sentence isn't it um putting into practice the skills learnt through talking therapy into a practical way um, Mm. in real life and again I think that's very OT sort of work isn't it like we said bread and butter skill mm. stuff The are um, doing <laughs> about yeah about social skills and how to manage relationships and so on um and the care providers have been amazing and they've really gotten bored with it and they felt supported so I have had some lovely feedback from them that they know that they can call and you know just say oh this has happened how are we gonna sort of help her with this um, and it has been intensive and will continue to be um but at this point we i don't want to you know we have there's not been any placement breakdowns so Amazing. yeah so, so that's really positive well um so that was a case study that i thought about um that was lovely. Oh, that's a lovely
1: example, Kira. Yeah. That was so nice, and and even though you say about changing the small things, I think the small yeah. things are so important.
2: Yeah, um, and it's it spirals, doesn't it? So that action of um, not saying things that on a phone call that result yeah. in further arguments, fallouts, misunderstandings, but also massive anxiety for her around how do I make up after this has happened um so yeah it it's little tweaks and and learning and, and building on it and as as successes happen, then she's able to hopefully achieve more mm, um,
1: definitely so. it's just a small action isn't it that can actually have such a huge impact on her life
2: yeah and yeah
1: so person-centered as well yeah it's, it's I really loved nice, hearing about with
2: that <laughs> really nice piece of work um I guess There's some other more typical IST type cases that I was sort of made a note to think about mentioning, but um, that was the one that I thought, oh, I'd most like to share.
0: (laughs) No, that was lovely. I think also you brought up a really interesting point about the relationships with care providers. Mm -hmm. Because I think obviously even across community teams, but also Mm -hmm. um, ISSs, IST's, it's such a big thing and I think other OTs and other areas don't have that as much from what I hear they don't have to build them and it's tricky sometimes mm. so yeah it's just interesting to hear
2: mm. you've got a lovely yeah. one it's well yeah. there we go it's well, back to that interdependence thing isn't it you know yes people people need to feel that you're part of a team together and that includes health services alongside care providers and people we work with we're all part of a team together aren't we and it's working, definitely
1: and a good relationship with the care provider is just so vital I think if you want your work to you know really come to something and for someone to go on Mm -hmm. once they've left your Mm -hmm. service especially in IST, ISS you know that's so quick anyway Mm -hmm. they need to be able to take that on and run with it don't they and so that relationship is so so vital Um, they're almost yeah you you know just as vital really as a person you're working with I think
2: Um, yeah absolutely and and they'll continue to support more people in the future who may or may not become your clients so yeah it's it's all about relationship building for me yeah
1: definitely need to be a good team (laughs) oh thank you Kira that was brilliant thanks very much so good um
0: it kind of feeds into uh, a question we've got from uh, the audience on Twitter. I wanted. <laughs> sorry, I've come on, <laughs> <not> on
2: you. <laughs> well yeah, you aren't on Twitter, are you? No, although um, hopefully Becky oh. Tech Night. Oh yes, you're gonna. So,
0: I'm gonna do a Tech Night. This is a uh, big news for the listeners. Basically, mm-hmm. we may be doing a Tech Tech Coffee Morning Tech Evening where we kind of go through the basics of how to use Twitter professionally. But we still haven't quite, yeah, we haven't quite ironed out exactly what it's going to be. But it was Kira's idea, so we'll
2: see how it goes. Good idea. It was my request because I'm, although I'm a newsletter editor and I love communicating Mm -hmm. and sharing with members of the specialist section, um, I am a bit scared of the the world of Twitter, but I can also see the the benefits. So um, I I want someone to hold my hand. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. um
0: yeah so and speaking of twitter we have a question from vicky who is actually joining us on the podcast um next week or oh, next episode and she has said could you tell us how you work with care homes to promote pbs and what's been successful if you have
2: okay well my answer might be relevant but slightly different to the question being asked but we'll see yeah. um, you can tell me if i've not really covered it so i'm not a pbs practitioner at this point maybe i will be one day who knows um but i work closely with with um with one and um she has brought one of our nurses has brought some amazing practice into our team um last couple of years um, innovating around doing um, video-based behavior support plans, um, which wow. are based mm-hmm. on um, PBS. So she really values OT within that because obviously PBS is about everything in the person's world, isn't it? It's not just about the behavior. It's um, the whole point of it. And um, so including OT, Occupational therapy within that um, has been important, which is really nice, um, as alongside all the other professions too, <laughs> not just OT. Um, so what we've been doing is we've been trialing it, um, and it's so I think when things go a little bit pear-shaped sometimes with um, whether it's a care home or a care provider of some sort, um, is one you've got a question: was it the right place for that person in the first place? Is it the right match? If not, what's the OT role in ensuring that there is a good match? You know, is it that their skills are different to what's expected of them in the place or the understanding of their complexity or, you know, all sorts of different things. Mm. Um, so there's that. And there's also the, the transitions being so difficult. And for some people, so if someone's new in a place, um, transition that's been challenging for them can often be one of those pinch points when we hear from them um so part of the idea with doing video-based pbs is that rather than plonking a longish document in front of a care provider and expecting that to be understood or even you know going in and doing some lovely valuable training with them but then the care team change and um the knowledge isn't passed on in the same way and then we get called back in and all that sort of stuff um which might be the familiar kind of issues that are recognized is that you're actually putting together something that's more of a um so at the moment we're hoping to to make it into sort of online training um at some point but at this point we've been using powerpoint and we've got some video editing software and our Amazing clinical assistant has become um, super skilled in a fairly short space of time at video editing. And um, we've got some different um, videos, uh, video cameras, which obviously like have to be best interested depending on the situation because um, there could be, um, I think there's one that looks like an air freshener. I don't think we've actually tried that one yet, Um, but depending on the situation and very much um, in best interest. And with some people, they are doing their own filming and um, presenting themselves to their new providers. So it depends on the person, their ability level, level, obviously. So we trialled this with someone um, who was transition's age, coming out of education, and he had some complex um, stuff around, um, well, I won't go into it, but there was It was very MDT needs that he had and quite yeah. complex, so we tried our um, video-based behaviour support plan with him, um, got lots of lovely footage, and with that alongside MDT assessments and various different bits of input, Um, put together a really lovely presentation which is very holistic and looks at all aspects of his life. Um, It's got photos of his family and his dogs and that kind of thing as well so it's really personal. It talks about what his interests are, shows him being his wonderful self, doing some of his favoured occupations Um, and we presented it. So actually because of Covid, I mean, I presented it, presented it to some of his um, new staff, who there was a mixture, some hadn't met him yet, and they felt that seeing him in that way, rather than just reading or hearing about him, meant that before they met him, they already had a really great impression of him, and um, it gave that sort of positivity, rather than just that kind of things to worry about and early warning signs and, and rags ratings and all that sort of malarkey um, which isn't what it should be about so um, (laughs) it's a slightly long-winded answer to the question but I think that for care providers having something that they can go back to Mm. and that's really clear and person-centered and it's not just lots and lots of words on a piece of paper seems to be successful so far um other than that I think it's about making sure you're pitching it at the right level and um really helping the care providers feel that you're part of the team with them not just coming in and telling them what to do and not listening to their concerns um, but yeah I'm sure I've got lots more to learn in that area
1: <laughs> yeah that sounds so amazing so interesting. video. Yeah i never even crossed my mind to do something like that. But actually, mm. what a lovely way to mm. see someone in a really positive yeah. light. Like you say, Kira, it's about them and what they like. To yeah. see all those nice things yeah. that should really be focused on. The
2: so instead of reading stuff. a document about a young man who might do something that might scare someone, you're seeing this yeah. absolutely charming young man who has some things that people need to know pay attention to and, and that's okay so for example this individual he has some um, routines that he needs to do when he goes in to a new environment and they can take him a really long time um and also getting into his car um and there's some beautiful footage of him doing his routines and it's just really clear watching it that he just needs to do them and actually if you interfere or sort of rush or worry about it then it's only going to make it longer and more stressful but showing someone the footage is very different to just saying oh there's a routine so they don't feel hopefully nervous when they are first sort of face mm. with that situation because they've seen it there's already a familiarity there so it's um demystifying yeah. So yeah, I think definitely. So. How
1: many times have we read about someone on paper and gone, "Oh my goodness," mm, you know, and yes. then you've met them and you're like, yeah. "You're not who yeah. I read about." Absolutely. My whole career, I feel like I've had that again and again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was literally yeah.
0: thinking that as you were talking here. Yeah. I was like, "Oh my god," the amounts of times we've done that, but mm. it's crazy. Yeah. That's such a simple but really
2: clever idea to do the and, video, and we're mm. zipping in and out of people's lives generally, yeah. whereas care providers are of their day in day out and you know it's tiring and they need to have the best opportunity to like the person and want to and understand them and yeah Mm. so
1: it's really making me think actually about the people we have in our um assessment treatment unit and actually Mm. when when our um individuals leave there to go Mm. to a placement first of all it's really hard to locate a placement because Mm. when you've had everything that goes on in a crisis before you're admitted to an assessment treatment unit I think on paper you can look quite scary sadly but you know when they're leaving and finding a placement that was always um I suppose there's always a slight concern I mean some placements are amazing the providers are brilliant and they're really good but you can't help but have that niggling feeling like "Oh, do they really know you know what's gonna uh, yeah how how this is going to go and are mm. they really ready for this but actually if they had something like that that is a, such a good way of showing someone mm. as they are and how to be supported in the right way for them before they even walk in through the door mm. which would just Absolutely. be so fantastic
2: yeah. to do. That's the idea and and there's a, a, a lady who I've not been involved with but just as a team I'm aware of who is Currently, because in Dorset, we don't have any um, inpatient specialist LD beds. So um, Interesting. anyone who is in hospital is either in mainstream hospital um, or is out of area. So the responsibility for out of area monitoring sits in my team. Um, and there's a, a lady who is in a hospital somewhere and there's plans being put together for her discharge imminently. And actually, she's been... Um, with a little bit of support getting it set up at the other end, I guess, doing, using Microsoft Teams with our clinical assistant, who's been, and um, and a clinician, sorry, I think I've got a plant trying to grow <laughs> into my head here. Um, so he's been interviewing her over Teams and recording it so mm. that he can take the snippets and put that into the presentation. So she's someone who's, a little bit more able and is very involved and invested in it for herself so he's asking her questions about you know what she thinks she needs from her new care provider and she's really able to answer that and talk about it and and put herself across so we're still managing to do it even with someone who's far away and um can't just be videoed <laughs> wow so yeah so that's really cool i think it's amazing yeah brilliant
0: answer to the question I think Kira oh good because I think it's (laughs) something it's not the usual thing is it I haven't ever heard of anyone else doing that so there you go
1: yeah great answer
2: lucky to work with some innovators (laughs) (laughs) yes definitely well thank you so much
0: for coming on is there anything else you want to share with listeners do you want to do a shout out to the newsletter? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Always I yeah. take every opportunity as anyone who's had a conversation with me about something interesting <laughs> and I said oh <laughs> would you just mind um yeah I edit the specialist section newsletter which comes out around three times a year um which I'm very lucky I love doing it um but It isn't a newsletter unless I have interesting things to to put in there. Um, We have our monthly mail shot as well, which um, Callum, um, our vice chair, kindly puts together. And then we save up the the bigger pieces for the newsletter. And I think sometimes people think, oh, that thing I'm doing, that's not important enough or big enough. And... um, you know, half a page just about something that has been a little bit interesting or new or fun would be great. Uh, It could be about a book you've read or a program you've watched that you want to talk about and share with members. Whatever it is, get in touch and I will be very happy to talk you through and guide you through the process and um something i often do with people who are a little bit uncertain ironically given what i'm doing here and i felt oh, a bit nervous about it is amazing. i um I, I send people some questions that they can answer to as prompts if they're not sure so don't be scared get in touch um and that's it <laughs>
0: all right thank you
2: so much all right
0: night no, bye bye bye
1: I just want to say thank you very much to Kira for coming on the podcast today it's been so brilliant having you thank you
0: yeah thank you Kira it's been really lovely and we just sort of want to say thank you again listeners for supporting us um, if you guys want to get in contact with us you can do on our Instagram at rcot underscore pld or on Twitter again rcot underscore pld or on um, our public Facebook page, which is at R-C-O-T-S-S-P-L-D, or on our members Facebook page. Um, Please follow us if you're you're a paid up member, because it's a great place. People are using a lot more now for networking and sharing ideas. So please do get involved. right, thanks guys. We'll speak with you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.